So today the reading is from Revelation 20, verse 11 to 21, verse 8. And it's page 1937 in the Red Bibles. Then I saw a great white throne, and him who was seated on it. The earth and the heavens fled from his presence, and there was no place for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. Another book was opened, which is the book of life. The dead were judged according to what they had done, as recorded in the books. The sea gave up the dead that were in it, and death and Hades gave up the dead that were in them, and each person was judged according to what they had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death. Anyone whose name was not found written in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look! God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. Those who are victorious will inherit all this, and I will be their God, and they will be my children. But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, the idolaters, and all liars... They will be consigned to the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. Thanks for reading, Darcy, and thanks for leading, Kate. Um, and great to go through all those plans for next year. I hope you're excited for that Everyday Mission initiative and praying for it. The thing I'm most excited about is the pebbles. Uh, missional habits. If you haven't got one of these, there are some more copies on the table. If you've set an alarm from last Sunday for 11.02, just um, be ready to turn that off when it goes off in 10 minutes. Uh, but we want to be developing these habits, uh, everyday missional habits, so we're engaging with those who don't yet know Jesus, blessing them, uh, deepening relationship with them, sharing our faith with them. And over these three weeks, we've been looking at... Um, what I've called mission motivation, three great truths that motivate us to be crossing the pain line and sharing our faith with those around us. So we've thought about the glory of Jesus, uh, wanting our hearts to be captured by his beauty uh, so that we can but speak of his praise. We've thought last week about the purpose of God's blessing in our lives, all that He's given us materially, spiritually. It's not to be kept to ourselves, but shared with others. And today we're going to think about the reality of eternity. There should be some slides, Dave. Have you got 
There, brilliant. Let me read to you from the start of a chapter in a book about eternity that I wrote back in 2006. I didn't, read the, I didn't write the whole book. I just wrote this chapter. It says this. We need to think about hell. We need to think about it for more than the 10 minutes it takes to read this chapter. We need to think about it in spite of the pain and agony of soul that it will undoubtedly bring. We need to think about it because the Bible is full of teaching on hell, because Christ spoke more about hell than he did about heaven, and because without understanding hell, we risk domesticating God, belittling our sin, and grossly undervaluing the saving work of Christ. I stand by what I wrote. We need to think about hell, and we need to think about heaven, the new creation. We need to live our lives in the light of these eternal realities. Next slide. Um, I don't know if you've seen Francis Chan's uh, rope illustration. We're going to watch a short video of that now. Can I pray? Father, we're thinking about weighty things this morning, and I pray that you would open our hearts to receive the teaching of your word, that you would shape our thinking, correct our thinking, and help us to be those who do live rightly, live in the light of these eternal realities. For your sake we pray. Amen. As that video said, it it is crazy, isn't it, to live our lives, make our decisions without taking eternity into account. And so we need to think about heaven and hell. We, We need to see the people around us as people who have an eternal destiny. C.S. Lewis, I've got a quote of his on the screen from uh, The Weight of Glory. He says, there are no ordinary people. You've never talked to a mere mortal. It is immortals whom we joke with, work with, marry, snub and exploit. Immortal horrors or everlasting splendors. We need to ask ourselves, don't we, when we meet people, where will they be in a hundred years' time? Today, many people dismiss hell as a myth or they treat it as a joke. That is not how Jesus viewed hell. Jesus taught that hell is a real place, a place of great suffering, a place of separation from God, a place of utter darkness, a place of punishment and destruction. In that reading from Revelation, it talks about hell as a lake of fire. I don't think we're meant to conclude that hell will have an actual fire, but if that is the image we're being given to describe it, it must be an awful reality. Now, talking about hell raises questions, doesn't it? How can a God who is love send people to hell? Well, the Bible does describe God as loving, but also as a God of holiness and justice. And as such, he cannot leave evil unpunished. There will be a judgment. There will be a judgment for the people of this world. Justice will be done. And isn't that something we all want? It'll be a good thing. Justice will be done. The trouble is that we think God should judge us according to our standards. But of course, he's going to judge us according to his. 
And the Bible's clear, judged by God's standards, every single one of us falls short. The uncomfortable truth is that you and I deserve hell. We all do. That's how serious our rejection of God is. Now, you might well ask, well, what has happened to God's love then? Has it been drowned out by this tide of holy justice? Not at all. That is what the death of Jesus is all about. On the cross, Jesus received the punishment that you and I deserve into himself. He was plunged into the ultimate darkness and endured hell in our place. Do you remember what he cried out from the cross? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Though Jesus had lived for all eternity in intimate, loving relationship with his Father, on the cross, he experienced what it was to be separated. He was forsaken so that you and I could be forgiven. He was abandoned so we could be embraced. Through the cross of Jesus, God offers rescue for anyone who will receive it. Rescue from the horrors of hell for the glories of heaven. You know, why does Jesus, the most loving, gentle, compassionate man who ever lived, why does he talk about hell so much? Not to spoil our fun, but to warn us. The reason Jesus talked about hell is because he doesn't want us to go there. If hell is a reality, then surely the loving thing to do is to warn people of it and to tell them how they can escape it. Penn Gillette of Penn and Teller fame once said some striking things about evangelism. He's not a Christian, but I think he gets the point. He said, I've always said I don't respect people who don't evangelize. I don't respect that at all. If you believe that there's a heaven and a hell and people could be going to hell or not getting eternal life and you think that it's not really worth telling them this because it would make it socially awkward, how much do you have to hate somebody to not evangelize? I mean, if I believe beyond the shadow of a doubt that a truck was coming at you and you don't believe that truck is bearing down on you, there's a point where I tackle you. And this is more important than that. Our willingness to talk about these eternal things is a test of our love for people, isn't it? Listen to how the Apostle Paul felt about people he knew who were rejecting Christ. He said, I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart, for I could wish that I myself were cursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my people, those of my own race, the people of Israel. My heart's desire and prayer to God is that they may be saved. For as I've often told you before, and now tell you again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. In the reading from Revelation, it, it talks about books being opened and God judging people according to what they've done. In other words, fairly. As we said, if that was it, we'd all be found guilty. But wonderfully, there's another book, the book of life. 
And that book contains the names of all who've put their trust in Jesus, all who've received Jesus as Savior and Lord and the rescue that he offers. And if your name is in the book of life, you're safe. You're rescued from the horrors of hell for the glories of heaven. The reading goes on to describe some of those glories of heaven. The Apostle John says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. God has promised to renew this broken world, bring it to glorious perfection, everything that spoils life, gone forever. No more death or mourning or crying or pain, no more sickness, no more sin. God will wipe every tear from our eyes. It's a beautiful image, isn't it? God taking your face in his hands and gently wiping away every tear. The best thing about this new creation will be that God is there once again dwelling among his people. Rico Tice says, Take the best moments relationally you've ever known whether you knew them for years or just in some fleeting moments. Take those moments you never want to end, and this is what it will feel like to be with Jesus, only better and forever. The truth is, you haven't yet known 99.9% of the blessings of the Christian life because they're in the world to come. Friends, we will experience life to the full, to the max, complete, lasting satisfaction. God says to the thirsty, I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. And so in one sense, evangelism is just like pointing a thirsty friend to the fountain. Everyone's searching for satisfaction, aren't they? We have the joyful privilege of telling them where life can be found by telling them about Jesus. I was listening this week to a, a podcast about uh, music and singing and the gospel. And at one point they talked about funerals. And they said there's almost no better way to see the difference that the gospel makes than to go to the funeral of someone who has trusted Christ. Because in the face of death, we sing. We sing. Yes, there's grief but there's also profound and joy-filled hope. Where, O oh death, is your victory? Where, O oh death, is your sting? Thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So why talk about Jesus? Why risk rejection by sharing our faith? Because life is short, and how we live now determines our eternity, because hell is an awful reality we desperately want people to avoid, and the new creation is a wonderful place we urgently want people to enjoy. Let me lead us in prayer. I'm going to pray words from the song Hosanna. Heal my heart and make it clean. Open up my eyes to the things unseen. Show me how to love like you've loved me. 
Break my heart for what breaks yours. Everything I am for your kingdom's cause as I walk from earth into eternity.